Welcome to a spooky episode of Stacey's Pop Culture. I can't keep that up. Of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlor. I am your spooktacular host, Stace. I was going to try and think, you know how on Twitter everybody changes their name to something that sounds a bit like their name but scary. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything that rhymed with Stacey or that fit with Stacey. Except things that seem a bit inappropriate, like, I don't know, Screamy Taylor, which seems like I'm noisy in bed or something. So, no. Uh, I'm Stace, your host. And uh, those delightful little giggles you could hear in the background there uh, is my spooky guest. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Hi. I wanted to do something spooky then, but I can't keep a straight face. <laughs> no, I, did, I, I thought... I thought <laughs> I'd had, I've had this plan for like a week. I thought I'd do this whole spooky thing. And then I was going to do like a Tales from the Crypt Keeper kind of. Yeah. That's very good, though. Um, thanks. Oh, but I, I laughed too hard and uh, <laughs> ruined it for myself. Um, oh, sorry, I just knocked a load of shit over. Carry on. <laughs> good start. Good yeah. start. Jenny and I have already been recording for 45 minutes, but we talked about pretty much nothing but COVID and how terrible the word pussy is. So uh, that's been scrapped. <laughs> Starting <laughs> again, knocking shit over. Admittedly, pussy's not a great word unless it's about a cat, but I will call certain people a pussy at times. I can only accept it as referring to somebody as a wuss. Yeah. I cannot accept it in reference to genitals. It is yeah. too funny. Too fun- it's either too funny or it's too crass like have you ever seen a film and a woman's been like touch my pussy you're like oh yeah, like no don't do <laughs> anyway yeah, when someone's been a wuss i will call them a pussy i will use the c-bomb but you have to push me to it sometimes <laughs> other times not at all yeah i prefer the word fanny in yeah. almost every other like even calling people a wuss i'm like oh stop being such a total fanny <laughs> it's just a more fun word to say it's true anyway anyway how many euphemisms for vagina can we get into this episode (laughs) Uh, challenge accepted (laughs) oh i know some good ones have you ever seen that film like talking about scary movies called teeth which is about a woman who thinks she's got gnashes in her vag yes it's terrible is it really bad it's not great i was going to say a book compelling but that gives you the wrong impression of what i like (laughs) (laughs) i've not seen it but the idea of like gnashes in a ham wallet is hilarious to me (laughs) yes (laughs) yes i killed jenny almost immediately with the words ham wallet (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time i was also thinking it's just as well they didn't call it snatch (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, yeah when you've already got a film out unless that's the porn version it probably is i don't <laughs> want to think about the porn version of teeth somebody told me that there was a porn of et and it has haunted my nightmares but et haunts your nightmares anyway he does but the idea of him also being a sexy thing is just like no no absolutely not no it's the finger yeah it is a bit uh it lights up anyway <laughs> anyway <laughs> Barely three minutes in and we're already well into disgusting territory. Let's veer that right out. Veer it right out. How have you been doing, my dear? (laughs) Minus, you know, the world. Minus the world. Not too bad. I'm looking looking forward to Halloween, not because of people coming to the house for sweets, because I hope they don't this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Most years, but mostly this year. But also because I always watch my horror movies on Halloween. Ah. Normally, if I'm to carve a pumpkin, like my pumpkin carving movie to watch is Hocus Pocus. Obviously. Obviously. It's just, it's the best film to watch when doing something family orientated, you know, I think. 
bit of Bette Midler and, and the Sanderson sisters. God, I flipping love that film. It is a good film. It was on telly the other day and Rich was like, should I watch this? And I said no, because it's one of those films that I think A, definitely helps if you liked it a lot as a kid. Mm. Uh, and B, is 100% not a rich film. <laughs> I thought he'll That's take true. one look at Sarah Jessica Parker and be like, I'm out. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, not, not for you, Rich. Um, before we start talking about pop culture, I do have a little Halloween tip, so I hope I get this edited before Halloween. <laughs> Obviously, people you don't want people knocking on your door and demanding things and, and putting their sticky mitts into <laughs> bowls of stuff. But apparently, uh, some people are doing a thing whereby you can carve a pumpkin and then stick uh, lollipops into its head. Um, because then people can just take a lollipop and because they're individually wrapped they can disinfect it and stuff before they like properly take it and uh, you don't have to interact with the people but you also get to partake of the fun that's a good idea because I I don't know if it's locally but I'd seen somewhere else saying about you know carving pumpkins and just putting out like pumpkin trail on different streets and stuff but that's a nice idea I like that because lollipops are easy to get a hold of too yeah, yeah, and they generally are always individually wrapped. So I know somebody who's made these amazing. His name is Super Ugly on Instagram. Go and have a look; cause it's amazing. He's made these giant sort of like wooden board panel monsters that he hooks over his gate, and they've just got tiny holes in the mouths so he can like throw candy through it <laughs> at kids without actually having like there's this big barrier between them. <laughs> um, it's quite spectacular, actually. That is cool, because I, I don't know how many will do it this year. Because quite often we do get a few kids, because we've sort of gone through that period of, like, when I was younger and all my friends, and we used to go out trick-or-treating, and then it kind of tapered off as we got older and people went off and got married and had their own children. Mm. And so now that generation, like my generation, who did get married or in relationships have children, their kids now come around and trick-or-treat which is really lovely um and normally we get a few because i do generally like to carve a pumpkin and we'll get some celebrations or something because i did think about just putting some sweets in individual little bags like haribo or whatever and just leaving a box and say help yourself you could do you know i think it's uh it's it's nice to do something although that being said me and rich are uh, halloween grinches yeah Um, because it's halloween's quite a big thing round our way and like the universal thing is that if there's a pumpkin outside of your house that kids can come and knock on your door that's so it. we just never put a pumpkin outside because we're too lazy to keep getting up and going to the door well that's just it because i think just, <laughs> they usually come out just around about six ish which mm. is you know by then it's quite dark which is fine and they're normally done by about eight half eight which is great because then i can settle and watch movies but i'd rather just be watching movies and mum and dad went yeah. up the door but now that we've got a little puppy and he's not going to be that much older by the time we get to Halloween, we won't want to keep opening the front door because yeah. he's, he's a sprightly little sod. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I might have to I might have to look at that, put a little sign on the gate, you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't going to see what get, happens locally about it all, see if they put out any messages. But that's a good idea with a pumpkin and the lollipops and that. I like that. Yeah. I just wonder how many people will actually be out trick-or-treating. I wonder that, yeah, because yeah. um, we have a, a lot of, from what I've seen on the f- people I'm friends with on Facebook and other places, you know, they're all quite concerned about yeah. everything with the kids going back to school. They've been uncertain about that or if they work from home, they're doing their best, especially if their business is run from home about how many people they let in, if at all, or 
understand that if I have to shut down short notice, I'm doing it for the sake of my family and my children. So I don't know. It's yeah. Although thinking about it, Halloween's probably the best holiday for a socially distancing because you automatically can just put a mask on, yeah, and, and people will actually fucking wear them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, let's roll away from that controversial topic that shouldn't be controversial at all. But anyway, people, spooky things, spooky pop culture. Jenny, go. <laughs> well, because I always got the impression that you were not hot always for a good spooky film although i know you love beetlejuice uh-huh but i didn't think you were big on real scary stuff so here's the thing right horror when done well can be phenomenal yeah but horror is often not done well <laughs> it hasn't and, been done well for a while that's true yeah therein lies the rub for me and there has been like the occasional film that i've been like holy shit snacks that is amazing but yeah it's more often than i mean me and rich try and watch spooky movies throughout the whole of october every year yeah um and we try to watch ones we haven't seen before but we're now getting to the point where the only ones we haven't seen are the really really dreadsy shit ones yeah um so yeah wake up there's a strong chance that i'll just make rich put the thing on at some point this month and be like i don't care that we've seen it before it's amazing because yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've been what well, i've been doing this october with um our lovely league rice we've been having a very socially distant screening of films together oh so what well, i said to him why don't we through october why don't we watch some spooky things because um he's like sent me some discs with um, like film dvds and that of different old b-movie horrors that i'd never seen before Ooh. and bits and bobs or they're on netflix or prime um or youtube uh so we'll sundays we normally normally we'll sit down and we'll watch a movie together and we'll just be on whatsapp texting about it you know whilst watching yeah and that's been quite that's been good fun i mean we watched uh, oh god what was the name of the film we watched last night it was a spielberg movie and neither one of us knew that spielberg had made it um because oh. it came God, I think it came after Jewel. Do you remember he did Jewel? Spielberg did Jewel, which is all about like a, a fuck off big lorry, like Arctic lorry that follows <laughs> after a bloke in his car, and it's really weird. Oh no! That's a very very bad way of describing it, and I'm sure <laughs> that when Lee hears this, he'll be so angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where is it? What is it called? It's gonna bug the shit out. Something evil. It's from 1972. I get the impression it was a TV movie <laughs> right. watching it. But it's all about this house that seemed to be exactly haunted, but there seemed to be some kind of devil possession thing going on. And it wasn't sure if it was the mum that was possessed. And then it turned out it wasn't. It was someone else in the family. But if everyone decides to watch this, I won't spoil it. But it was very weird. It was interesting to watch because it was such an early Spielberg film. But you could see glimmers of the things we love about Spielberg in it so the different shots he took the way he framed things and did things but also because he was the i think he was the exec producer for poltergeist um, the original poltergeist and there were elements in that that i was watching and i messaged lee i said my god that was just such a poltergeist moment and lee would agree and then we were talking about the exorcist but actually this film came out a year before the exorcist even though there were similar elements but then lee found out actually it was released around about the same time the, the book of the exorcist was out so there were lots of different things like i saw some bits of carrie so there was this dressing gown that the, the wife wore and the way she acted was very carrie-esque and even lee was like yeah that's like carrie's mum's nightgown or 
dressing gown. It's weird and spooky. I wouldn't say it was the greatest film ever made. <laughs> Both of us felt that way. But it was just interesting to watch as a, you know, as a first kind of Spielberg movie, an early Spielberg film. It is on YouTube and you, the whole thing is on YouTube. You can watch for free called Something Evil. So, yeah, but I do agree. It's very hard to find a decent horror because I listened to your show with Mikey. Yeah. And you were talking about The Babysitter, the sequel. Yes. Because Lee and I watched that together a few weeks ago and we both really enjoyed it. But I do agree with you. There was nothing new. <laughs> it was literally, it was more or less literally the same as the first one. But with less Samara weaving. <laughs> yeah. Which I was kind of sad about because she's hot and it would have been nice to see more of her. Basically. She's such an odd one for me because I, every, like, I saw her in The Babysitter and I thought she was amazing. And then not long after that, I saw her in uh, Ready or Not, which is also a, a film I really enjoyed. And I thought she was fantastic in it. So I was like, oh, I'm a Samara Weaving fan then. Everything else I've seen her in, I've forgotten about almost entirely. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I saw one not long ago that I can't even remember the title of where, like... I don't know, she plays like somebody's girlfriend and she fakes her own death. But then when she goes into witness protection or whatever, she, I don't know, fucking becomes a super actress. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? That's That's almost the opposite of hiding. (laughs) (laughs) And with a face like hers as well. It's not like she's a generic looking lady, you know. (laughs) Um, Don't even remember what that was called. Almost entirely forgotten it. (laughs) I want to see Ready or Not. I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to when it came out and I didn't get a chance, but I kind of don't want to pay for it either. But <laughs> That's so. fair. That is fair. Uh, Ready or Not is one of those films that I had no like preconceptions of really because I didn't yeah. really know what it was going to be about. And I think that's good because it's not a film that's to be taken super seriously. Excellent. Uh, which I think definitely helps it. Because I think this is the problem I have with a lot of horror is I find that sometimes there are films that would probably be good if they were a bit more tongue-in-cheek because mm. they don't have the budget or the talent behind it yeah. to make it a, like a proper serious yeah, yeah. Uh, film. I can't think of an example off the top of my head because I hadn't thought about talking about this. But, like, yeah, there's, a, there's like, a lot of horror films where you just think, like, I mean, did you watch, have you seen Hungerford? <laughs> no, I haven't. I laugh because it is legitimately one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. But it's an all right premise, except for the fact that it's all filmed by... It's like Cloverfield, it's like one oh. cameraman running around. Okay. Um, and like Cloverfield, it is also sort of a bit like monsters that just like appear. But these monsters also sort of turn people almost into zombies. Like they start like getting super violent and like bitey yeah. and stuff. Um, but the problem with this film is that it's the main guy who is the cameraman slash the main dude slash the actual director slash the writer yeah. clearly thinks he's got a fucking diamond on his hands and he obviously thinks he's god's gift to acting there's a bit at the end where he's giving this like monologue to the camera about how he's going to keep on fighting for humanity and that and i'm never going to stop and it's obviously supposed to be the moment where we all like fucking stand up and clap like yes this guy yes no it's dreadful he's one of the worst actors i've ever seen in anything and the whole film is like a bad media studies project um And it doesn't help that a lot of it as well. Like, I don't... You've got to have a really good premise to me for having a a film be filmed as though one person is running around with a camera. Because 
if you haven't, then it's going to be really hard for me to suspend my disbelief when you're like running backwards so that you can film something chasing you. Yeah. Like, no, if you are fearing for your life, you've either put the camera down or you're just fucking pegging it forwards, you know, the fastest way to run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like it, that was one of those films where I thought if that had had like some a bit of money and some way better actors behind it, it wouldn't have actually been that bad of a film. But mm. because because it took itself so seriously and it didn't have that talent and it didn't have that money, it yeah. came across as like the world's most pretentious load of shite. <laughs> Have you seen um, the Happy Death Day film? Yes, yes, I, I love have. them. I love them. And you know, the second one actually got me a bit emotional. Got, I got a little bit teary in the second one. God oh, bless you. I know. <laughs> I've never cried about in my, a kind of a slasher horror movie ever, but I just thought that the story of that one was quite clever. Yeah. Actually, they're, actually, they're both quite clever in what in what they do. But that one got me a bit emotional because I nearly last year when I was doing fantasy genres for my MA um, and I looked at doing horror I nearly did an essay about those films because it was um because it's a hybrid because it's horror but it's also sci-fi and that yeah. especially especially the second one yeah. and I didn't I worked I looked at Halloween instead but I love those films and they're they are tongue-in-cheek as well they know exactly what they are yeah and they really have fun with it I think that's why I liked. I actually preferred the sequel because I think it is it embraces its own ridiculousness even more. Yeah. Um, than the first one did, I think. Yeah. But I really like those. Rich has got on his letterbox. Um, you can create like lists of your I don't know Marvel Cinematic Universe ranked by me kind of thing. Yeah. And he's actually got a ranking list of uh, repeated day movies. <laughs> 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 and I was like, isn't that just like Groundhog Day and those two films? And he's like, no, no, there's some more. It's only got like seven films on it, but I'm pretty sure those Tom are quite Cruise high up. What's that Tom Cruise? Oh, the one that's called like Live, Die, Repeat in America, that's which is it. a fucking yeah. weird title. What is it called here? Shit. It's not Die Another Day because that's James Bond. <laughs> I can't remember. Of, is it Edge of Tomorrow that feels like it's not even the name of that film? I think it might be, actually, because <laughs> I did have to watch it last year for fantasy genres. Mm. for the very fact that it was yeah it is Edge of Tomorrow Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt I loved Emily Blunt in it oh it's a fantastic film it was I was really surprised by it it was really good do you think have you seen that film now I've forgotten everything about it so this isn't going to be a very good description (laughs) I've forgotten who's in it and what it's called but it is about a guy who keeps reliving like a terrorist attack on a train and he's got to find out who's doing it and why and when and how to stop it no. Fuck my arse. Why can't I think of... <laughs> Why isn't my memory better? Shit. Well, that film, I feel like that counts, even though he's not really repeating a full day, but he is repeating, like, a chunk of the day. Over is it called Source Code? It might be. Um, it, I just it... did a quick Google. Has <laughs> 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 um, it got someone like, but not necessarily Jake Gyllenhaal in it? Uh, I'm just looking. Oh, I, knew Damon. <laughs> I knew this would happen, which is why I made sure I had IMDb open. <laughs> and yes, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good yeah, that's it. A soldier wakes up in someone else's body and discovers he's part of an experimental government program to find the bomber of a commuter train within eight minutes. Eight minutes? That's yeah. not really that much of a chunk of a day, is it? Not really. <laughs> I don't know why I got it in my head that it was like a three-hour train journey or something. By the Eight end minutes. of that film, it was a probably about three hours. 
that is that is very very true i really want to talk to you about a really really shit horror film that i watched and then i will start talking about things i like <laughs> all right let's talk about the shit one okay so uh, <laughs> rich got us a wee trial of shudder which is a horror streaming service yes i watched it for a documentary but carry on <laughs> oh well the two things that i want to talk about that i liked were both documentaries but we'll get there so one of the things like i say me and rich trying to watch a, a, a spooky movie every day uh this october thus far have been poor to average pretty much at best <laughs> but this one was particularly egregious because if i tell you the the premise of this movie I think within about 10 minutes, you and I could come up with an amazing film. We might not be able to actually film it because we've got no money. (laughs) But I think we could come up with an amazing movie. And so it's wildly disappointing. So this film is called The Farm. And it is directed by Hans Stjernsvard, I think is how you pronounce it. But I don't know. And I'm very sorry if I fuck that up. And essentially... It is about cannibals farming humans and selling them on through a catering business to unsuspecting other human people. <laughs> now, this t- when Rich picked this, it, like we read that little blurb that essentially said that, and we were like, "Oh, this is going to be insane! This is going to be this is going to be brilliant!" Because imagine like the fucking mine of of insanity you could you could pull out of that. Yep. Oh my god, it was the most boring film I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so it is very clearly a film about how shittily humans treat animals uh, okay. in the food industry. So vegans Which, would love this film? Uh, probably. Um, <laughs> although I would argue that human is also animal meat. So, <laughs> But essentially... Uh, a pair of arseholes, uh, and they are arseholes, especially the woman, okay. a pair of arseholes uh, going somewhere and they decide to stop off in the world's creepiest town. I don't know why they decided to stop there because it looks like a total shithole. It's like, have you ever heard the song 96 Quite Bitter Beings by CKY? No. Uh, well, it's essentially a song about how some people's like car breaks down or something in what is essentially like, I don't know, the fucking texas chainsaw style hillbilly uh like town and they're fucked basically (laughs) like this is what this couple do they just go oh we'll rest here for the night when they're in like a fucking nightmare town i'm like all right whatever idiots she's a rude asshole the entire time and they go to this like what is essentially like a hostel and this creepy man with very odd teeth says you know oh well you know it used to be a church but we converted it because people like to stop here and you know it's a nice little experience here you go here's your bed blah 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 so the first like sort of 20 minutes is this setup too long didn't need it but all right so all of a sudden they go to bed on their first night a man in a creepy pig mask creeps out from under the bed and then we cut to the woman waking up in a little like rabbit cage thing out in the sun so i'm like oh okay she just took a turn let's see where this goes the next sort of hour and a bit maybe more i forget how long the film was i lost all track of time i was so bored (laughs) um The, the the rest of the film is mostly people in animal masks walking around a farm so that you can look at naked adults in tiny cages and go, oh, this is what we do to animals. Oh, I feel bad. Except it doesn't make me feel bad. It just makes me think, why aren't these fully grown adults kicking down these tiny, shitty, flimsy rabbit cages? The losers. I was getting really mad. <laughs> I was getting really mad at it. 
barely anything happens. There's a bit where, like, they artificially inseminate the girl so that she can get pregnant so that they can literally milk her boobies, which they're also doing to some other women in another bit of a barn. (laughs) The rest of the film is literally just people walking around a farm. There's not much dialogue, like, at all. Uh, There are, like, extended sequences of people just walking. Just walk him. And then there's one bit that is literally thrown in there just so that you go, oh, no, that's horrible. And then that's it. I don't even really want to say what that is because I think it could be potentially quite distressing for some people. So I'm going to tell you afterwards. It's essentially like this one like shocker moment. Yeah. But it's basically like, I don't know, it's, it's like a fucking... Morrissey in film form like just mm. a, just being a prick about meat and being boring about it and all <laughs> honestly I mean I mean just shots with no dialogue it sounds like something Ang Lee would have directed but obviously not <laughs> well I mean it's just I think it thinks it's important is the problem oh. so it thinks that when you're following these people you know walking around this farm that you're going to go oh no look at these people in these tiny cages oh I can't believe that we do this to piggies and little lammies and yeah. little little cows oh, oh aren't we horrible but all it made like I say it just made me think like why, why is nobody fighting back this is stupid this is I... so stupid also there's literally hundreds of these people in this fucking farm how has nobody reported anyone missing <laughs> like some of the women are there long have been there long enough that they've given birth to babies that they were artificially inseminated with to God. farm their milk I'm oh. like nobody's looking for these people like they're just not important enough have no families <laughs> i honestly thought you were going to say by the end you just you were wanting a bacon sandwich but... i i have to say i was quite hungry when it finished <laughs> uh, <laughs> i didn't I, I didn't have a bacon sandwich because we haven't got any bacon in i can't remember what we actually had for dinner yesterday but anyway yeah don't watch that film because it's so dull but like can you imagine being i don't know somebody hands you a script like here's my pitch Jenny, big fucking film exec, give me some money, right? I'm going to make a film where cannibals farm humans and sell the meat to other people who don't know about it. You'd be like, yes, I'm buying it. I mean, if you were into making horror films, that is. <laughs> if, you, if you're the kind of person who makes romantic comedies, you'd be like, why are you in my office? Um, but, like, I don't get how you could make that premise so dull. And like, managed yeah even if like i wouldn't have minded so much if they'd have pushed it even more into the sort of activist you know like sort of vegan activist kind of angle because at least then it'd feel like it was doing something i mean even the texas chainsaw massacre is more interesting than that and they do chainsaw massacre you know i haven't watched in donkey's years but at least they fight back christ well when they're not being clobbered over the head with a hammer yeah yeah that's uh that does tend to put a spanner in the uh running away works Yeah. yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah would not recommend sorry I, I shall avoid that one then that will not go anywhere near my list <laughs> are you like so what sort of horror stuff are you into in terms of movies um, i'm more into slasher and jump scare type horror movies i don't always enjoy um psychological and have to think about it type movies mm-hmm. so Whereas I thought The Get Out was a brilliantly made film and very well acted and, and all, all of that, I watched it and I didn't get why it was so hyped up. Do you know, I felt the same way and 
I think part of it was because I didn't see it until a good six months after it had been super hyped. Good. So I was expecting yeah. it to be like the best thing that's ever been in my eyes. Yeah. Um, I also think it probably resonates differently with different audiences and I'm clearly not the audience. I think that's the thing because my workmates are like, it's amazing. You love horror. You're going to love this. And I watched it and they were all expectant. And I was very, I mean, yeah, it's a good film. I just, I didn't, I like to be scared. Basically, if I'm going to sit and watch a horror movie, I like to be scared because it's as I was reading when I was writing about it you know it, it's to be scared in a horror movie it's a safe scare feeling because you know it's just a horror film yeah. and when the credits roll everything's back to normal and you're in a safe space or you're in a safe space where you can be scared and yeah. it's like a, it's just like being on a roller coaster ride yeah. you know see I was having this conversation with Barry on a recent episode of Stace and Barry because um you know, Barry said when he was watching Get Out, it hit, it really hit him in the feels, which he's a black man. I can totally understand why it would. Yes. Whereas for me, have you seen the new version, like the latest version of Invisible Man? I haven't yet. No, I want okay. to. Well, I won't spoil it for you, but as A, a woman and B, someone who suffers from paranoia, a movie where a man is stalking you and you have literally no way to even prove that he's not dead let alone that he's actually stalking you yeah he's terrifying <laughs> and it is fantastically tense how they might like it's very rare like i'll watch horror films and i'll have a like I'll, I'll have a little scare or a little like i'll enjoy myself like if it's a campy kitsch one i'll have a laugh if it's like a proper scary slasher like you know i'll get into it oh but like this one was like one of very few movies where i was actually like oh god i hate it and i felt like yeah. viscerally uncomfortable yeah. um unfortunately for me the ending let me down but mm. the like the majority of the film itself because i was saying the thing for me is that as someone with paranoia the idea of nobody around you believing you when something terrifying is happening to you yeah is a total nightmare yeah. <laughs> um, it is a horrible horrible nightmare and it's something that i've always scared of um because you do start to question your own your self own yeah yeah um so that to me is like yeah I, I think like you say it's identifying with what's going on in a I film so. i mean i love a good ghost story so i just i finished or i i binged the haunting of blind manor in a weekend mm. although i did figure out some stuff in the very first couple of episodes like who was dead and who was going to end up dead that sort of stuff and I recognised straight away that it wasn't one that was to be as scary as Haunting of Hill House. That's mm-hmm. right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That I found really creepy and scary in places, and I loved that. I loved it. There were so many jump scares in it. There was one in particular in a car that freaked me the fuck out. But it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about it. But I did find a blind manner. It was much more enjoyable. Not much more enjoyable. It was as enjoyable, but it was definitely more of a love story than it was as a, I thought, a haunting, scary story. Yeah. Um, have you watched it? Have you seen it all yet? No. So me and Rich wanted to watch Haunting of Hill House first, even though we've been they're told not they're not related. No. But we wanted to watch that first. But we didn't watch that when it came out because too many people were talking about it. Yeah. So we were waiting for it to sort of leave the public consciousness so that I would forget any spoilers that I read. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> So we haven't watched we haven't watched that yet, but Richie's sister Sarah um, has been going on about how good it is. Mm. Um, she preferred uh, Hill House, yeah. but she said mostly because she wanted it to be scary, um, and Blind Manor's not quite as scary. But like I suppose I, I think the thing about 
Hill House for me is I feel like I'm going to be looking out for too many things now. Like I know that there's a ghost in every scene because that's mm. all everybody was talking about when it finished. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, once people have binged it. So now I feel like I'm already at a disadvantage because instead of just like naturally sort of being like, oh, was there something in the background there? I'm going to be like fucking where's Wally in it? Yeah. Like right, I just <laughs> like right up to the screen. Well. I was yeah. watching Fly House and something would happen and I wasn't reading anything online whilst I was watching it. I was just enjoying watching it. Apart from I did see a friend on Facebook say that the accents were terrible and I didn't think they were that bad. There was one that was a bit dodge that that was an american trying to do a more colloquial english accent i say colloquial i think it was just northern but i can appreciate that americans if they're not just doing the queen's english or just some middle england accent (laughs) it'd be very hard but that was about all but i was in each scene looking did i just see something move did i just miss something that's important Mm. and i don't know that i did but then i was just following the story and just trying to keep up with that because there were some really good twists and turns going on in places and I did feel that if I didn't pause it when I had to leave the room I would be a little bit lost as to what was then continuing yeah but I do agree that Hill House was much scarier um and I did miss that about Bly but I still thought Bly Manor was very good I thought it was pretty compelling watching yeah I must have been if I binged it in a weekend well, well, yeah, that is. I've, I definitely am going to watch it at some point, but yeah. I do feel like I want to watch Hill House first, even though. Yeah, who it, cares? <laughs> yeah, it's an anthology, so one doesn't link to the other. The only thing that's the same is they used a lot of the same actors. Oh, kind of like a American Horror Story type. Yeah, thing. basically. Mm. The only thing you will be annoyed in Bly Manor is the little girl. In fact, the children are precocious and really fucking annoying. Oh, great stuff! Can't wait. And <laughs> I have been informed that the girl in it is also the voice of Peppa Pig. <laughs> But she says things like perfectly splendid or things. She says splendid a lot. And it's the way she says it. And even I was irritated by it after the first like five, ten minutes of her speaking because she says it so often. Yeah. But in saying that, the young girl and boy who are part of the lead cast are extremely good. They really are. Um, I don't always sometimes find that English child actors are always that great. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can't comment because I'm very bad at knowing where people are from. Like a good sort of uh, indicator of that is how I thought Hugh Laurie was American because the first time I really saw him in anything was in house. So (laughs) um, I'm an idiot. Uh, Yeah. Like, the thing for me with child actors is it's very rare for me that you can find a cast of a bunch of them that I enjoy, which is why I think I was so flawed with the first season of Stranger Things. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not annoyed by any of these kids. They're all actually really good. <laughs> they are all actually really good and their characters are actually really good. Yeah. I've got to say, though, because I know the next season should be out this month, shouldn't it? Or at some point I in the not so. too distant future. They have got to kill one of those kids. The stakes are nowhere near high enough now. No. Like, like no one good is dying. I want to see what, and I know it's going to be horrible for people to see a kid get murdered by a nightmare monster, but it's got to happen. Like, they can't yeah. not at this point. <laughs> it's just getting silly. They've all managed to survive some terrible things, and I was actually quite sad at who did die in the last series. Now, are you talking about, shall we spoil it? Do we want to spoil I, it? Are you, are you talking about, yeah. Are you talking about Hopper or are you talking about... No, uh, the, teenage, the, the teenage lad. He was the oh, like, okay. bad guy. 
I mean, I expected yeah. him to die, but it was quite sad that he died. Yeah. Hopper, I'm neither here nor there about Hopper because I like him. I like mm. him a lot, but at the same time, annoying. Well, yeah, I have a, I have a thing about Hopper in that in the I can't remember if it's season one or two I can't remember but in one of the seasons I thought he was great and I really liked him and I really liked David Harbour I think he's wonderful yeah um but then I can't remember if it was season two or three but one of the more later seasons they just turned him into a massive bellend and he really did my fucking swede in it was like it was almost like a shit teen comedy the way he kept fucking being absolutely dreadful with Eleven like all the time and not Mm. learning any lessons or not taking the useful advice of Winona Ryder's character or like any just doing anything sensible yeah um and I a thousand percent think he'll be back for the next series which will also annoy me because then it means that that of the two big deaths in the last series that that one of them wasn't even one (laughs) well this is just it because I like he got presumably killed off but I thought well he's not going to be dead because he'll be back for the next series yeah, and then um, they pretty much proved that by the teaser at the end, didn't they? Yeah, I was really hoping that's going to be somebody else, but I don't, I can't think of who it might be. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Um, I'll, I'll watch it when it comes back. Of course, I will. But me too. But I think if they don't, if they don't up the stakes this season, it, I might be out after that. Yeah. Or I suppose it depends on how many seasons. I don't know if it's been given a series five because the kids must be getting on in years now i say that they're getting on in years like they're not fucking like 17 or something (laughs) i mean they really are young adults now and especially the boys who were quite short and stuff when it first started and then their voices are breaking and they're shooting up in height and it's quite obvious that they're not necessarily the ages they're portraying anymore yeah so yeah they need to I'd be surprised if it goes on much longer. I, I have a nagging feeling in the back of my head that the Duff brothers said they're only going to do it for so long. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was four or five. I feel I like mean, it's five, but I'm not yeah. sure. It's one of those things that I feel like I hope they get to resolve it the way they wanted to resolve it and that they don't yeah. have to drag it out because it gets, you know, because Netflix yeah. is rolling in the dosh or, you know, it gets cut short because Netflix is... I mean... You know, I fully understand the difficulties that all sorts of companies are in at the moment. But the fact that they've cancelled series four of Glow Mm. when this was due to be the last series is really infuriating to me because now there's no real ending to that story and we'll probably never get it. Yeah, Um, I I see there's a um, petition going out to try and get a movie made to get Netflix to make a film to wrap it all up. mm. I don't know if they will, though. Well, I was going to say you can petition till the cows come home, but if the money's not there... mm. Or I don't know. I don't know how feasible it will be in like post COVID times when you would think Netflix would be raking it in while we're all stuck in. <laughs> I've been watching so much goddamn Netflix. <laughs> Netflix and Prime, because I find Prime's navigation extremely annoying. And Me too. Netflix is much because obviously with Netflix, everything on it you can watch, and it's the same with Disney Plus. Apart from you're know, right, they've put Mulan on there, which you have to pay for, but they've made it quite explicitly obvious. Yeah. But with Prime, I find it very annoying. Yeah, me too, because you'll search for something, and then it'll be like, oh, click here for ways to watch this. So you click there, and then it's like, yeah, it's £3.49 if you want yeah. the shit version. If you want the HD one, it's £4.99. I'm like, oh, I already pay you yeah. for stuff. Fuck off. Amazon. That's what I. That's just it. I'm like, I mean, sometimes I will, because I'll do it for my uni course sometimes, because I don't want to have to stream it through the system we can use through uni, because they'll record it off telly. And I don't really want to watch breaks. And sometimes it stops to buffer. And I know that if I watch it on Prime, I won't get that. (laughs) Yeah. At least you'll be able to actually, you know, watch the film. Watch the film. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I do find Prime annoying. Yeah, me too. I would recommend, uh, especially for the spooky month of October, I would recommend Shudder because it does I have would, a lot. It's very good on it. Yeah. Did you, so did you watch the um, oh, In Search of Darkness? No. Oh, my God. It, I loved it. I knew it was out because it was a Kickstarter about a year or so ago. And it's just it explores all of the 80s horror movies. Ooh. And they talk to the actors, directors, producers, fans. And it's it's just a documentary. They show clips from the different films. And then it's like just, you know, the talking heads discussing it all. And I loved it. It's a good, I think it's something like three hours long. It is really long. Yeah. But because you, if you've got Shudder, uh, sorry, no, I've just looked. It's four hours and 24 minutes long. Jeez Louise. And I watched it over a weekend that my parents were away. And I was really enjoying it. And I think I can't remember if I messaged both you and Lee or if I just messaged Lee. I was like, I'm going to have to stop watching this now because it's getting quite late and I'm starting to freak myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I love when that happens. And then you think, oh, God, I don't know if I can go upstairs to the toilet because there might be a ghost. <laughs> it's like normally it's, it's so silly because, you know, it's all fake and it's not real. But I also know that I live because you've been here. It's a big bungalow. Oh, yeah. And, it's a t- and it's dark and scary. And yeah, yeah. So I was like, maybe I'll just watch something light and frothy for the next couple of hours before I go to bed. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. And they just talk about, they're doing a sequel too. They're doing a second one to talk about, I think, just the ones they didn't get to. Yeah. But they talk about all the, the big ones and some of the ones you may not have heard. There were so many I hadn't heard of. And they either looked really revoltingly disgusting but at the same time brilliant because they would talk about some of the death scenes and stuff but they also talk about i think the posters and the publicity and things like that about the films so they really do talk about all of it and how they did some of the special effects or how some of the special effects changed like the path of how the horror movies went about after the 70s because they talk about some of the influences from the 70s so halloween because then they'll talk about Halloween 2, and then they talk about Halloween 3, which so many people hate. I don't like Halloween 3. Is that um, the one with the irritating song? Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. No, not a fan. I'm not. Lee is. He quite likes it. That's because I... he's a nightmare person. <laughs> <laughs> he quite, but I get why, because they were trying to make Halloween an anthology rather than a series of films. Yeah, but of course the mistake was they did Halloween, which was phenomenally ex- successful, um, especially after the fact. And then they did Halloween two, where he also had to do some a couple of reshoots for the TV version of the original Halloween. And John Carpenter and and that didn't weren't sure what to do with it, so he kind of just drank a few beers and wrote a quick script for Halloween two. <laughs> and um, that's how Michael Myers and Laurie Strode became brother and sister. He just kind of threw it in but then they wrote halloween 3 or someone else i think wrote halloween 3 and they wanted to make it an anthology so it wouldn't actually feature michael myers at all Mm. and of course it didn't do brilliantly well it's a very interesting idea and it's some very kind of gross death although i thought the ending was a bit shit and i remember watching it and texting lee saying what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) seriously but you can kind of see why it didn't go over well when you've already done two films of the same name with the same killer. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? <laughs> no, no. If they they could have done it and just not called it a Halloween mm. franchise film, it it probably yeah. would have been a lot better. And then of course they went to four and they brought back Michael Myers because that is my favourite horror film. Is is Halloween? I love. Oh, okay. 
yeah, apart from Halloween 3, I love the Halloween franchise. And actually, I hate Halloween Resurrection. That was shit as well. <laughs> so if we're talking favourite horror franchises, mine is a thousand percent child's play if you forget that Son of Chucky exists. <laughs> Just forget that one. Just forget it. Well, you like, all of the others, wonderful. This, this is why you should watch this documentary, because they talk about child's play, of course, because that was big in the 80s and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that, But yeah, you, sh- you and Rich should try out In Search of Darkness. Um, yeah, I'll definitely give it a whirl. I mean, so we've watched, uh, there was two documentaries that I was going to talk about, because one of the things that I'm realising as I grow older is that I don't know enough about things. <laughs> um, like... I joke about it a lot about like, oh, I shouldn't be allowed to have a podcast because what do I know about pop culture? But the the more I joke about it, the more true it seems because I don't actually know things about things. So documentaries are like my new my new oh, yeah. thing. I, I, I'd quite like to actually know a bit more about filmmaking and, um, yeah. you know, in general. So the first one that we watched is called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. and it is a documentary about uh nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge um and the effect that that film had on its lead actor mark Patton. um now i will freely admit that it has been a hot minute since i saw freddy's revenge so i don't fully remember the film yeah um but the documentary goes in quite into detail about how that film was actually lauded as like a oh a big gay movie big gay horror film the yeah like apparently there was subtext in that movie that was basically text (laughs) um they showed a clip actually that was one of the the sort of most notable bits where robert england is is uh, as freddie and he's like right up it right up in mark Patton's face and he's like stroking his face with his knifey hand okay and he tries to put like one of the knives in his mouth it's all very sexy Uh, and it's like so it's a film where um and Mark Patton is a gay actor, but at the time he was not out because it was not in '85. And so this is all about how that movie uh, was was written and perceived as being, you know, like basically the first like sort of gay mm. mainstream gay horror film, which essentially outed Mark and also then sort of ended his career because of everything that was going on at the time with them um, AIDS oh. and all this sort of stuff. It's such a fascinating documentary and it is it is very much as well about how that's affected Mark in his later life because it's very obvious that he hasn't really let this Mm. go it's not something he can like it doesn't sit well with him at all yeah and there there's a lot of interviews with like you know the people who wrote it and the people who made it because like what i found quite fascinating about it was that there were there were bits where like mark was pointing out that you know there was a scene that was filmed in quite a notorious gay bar Okay. But the people who scouted the location were like, well, we, we saw it when it was closed, so we didn't know. <laughs> like, we didn't know what we were doing. So there's like this whole, like, we didn't know we were being so gay. Oh. Like, there's also um, no internet to tell you the gay bars, is there? Yeah, exactly. So it was it's, it's a really interesting watch. Um, it did make me feel really sad, though, that this guy has been holding on to this for so long. Because mm. that film came out the year I was born. So, <laughs> like, that's my entire life that he's wow. yeah. had this in his heart kind of thing um but it is a, a fascinating document because the other thing is as well in my head because i saw all the freddy films like a couple of years ago yeah. so i don't have that context of what was happening with aids and yeah. you know the american presidency at the time and like all of this sort of stuff so it actually really helps to like contextualize what we were seeing at the time as well 
I do I do really want to rewatch it now because I want to see just how gay this film is. <laughs> but th- there is a sequence in the uh, documentary where there's a, a a drag queen who is hosting like a, a movie night at a cinema, and um, and she comes out and she says, you know, this is the gayest movie we've ever screened, and we did Xanadu last week. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but it was really it was really interesting to see how these sorts of things can affect people as well because you don't you know you you think about sort of fame from the point of view of like you know the tom cruises and the jennifer Mm. lawrences you know the people who are constantly in the cultural zeitgeist and you know what i mean like whereas what about these people who like in the gay in the gay horror community mark Patton is fucking huge because to them he was like the first first to be yeah first, the first person that they could relate to on the screen so yeah that was a really interesting one and then the one we watched yesterday was called horror noir a history of black horror oh cool and that was absolutely fascinating uh it was this one is more sort of talking heads than it is because screen queens like a following mark pattern around kind of documentary style yeah uh, mixed in with like old footage and blah 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 whereas yeah. this one is more directors journalists actors talking about their experiences of um seeing black horror when they were younger wanting to make black horror now uh, acting in black horror films and stuff like that there was a fascinating bit with um rachel true who played a character whose name i can't remember in the movie the craft which I think was from the 90s-ish. Yeah, that was 90s, yeah. Where she talks about how when she auditioned for that part, it wasn't really written as a black part, and originally they were going to have her sort of like thing that she's dealing with, the anorexia. Yeah. Whereas when she got the role, the uh, the writers and the directors said, actually, what we want to do is we want to make blackness more of a part of this. And she she said like she'd been so conditioned by the idea of not seeing people like her in Mm. horror films or uh, in other things that she was like well why can't my issue be anorexia why does it have to be that i'm black like why is that a thing but she said you know as the film went on she realized that actually this was really important for her to be doing and for her to be showing you know other young black women yeah Um, and that keith david's in it tony todd is in it um talking about his experience with making Candyman and how because this is the other thing is that you don't always think about like i say the context um because obviously for him like i adore the movie Candyman. i, I, I watched the shit out of that when i was a kid it was one of my favorite films <laughs> i am such a weird child um, but you know he said at the time he was just happy to have work and he felt like this was a really iconic character and that he could do a lot with it and like his performance is fucking phenomenal he's scary as shit and his voice is amazing i won't have um, that film in my collection it's so much <laughs> I adore that movie. The sequels, not so much. Um, no, they were terrible. <laughs> but that that film, I thought, was phenomenal. But yeah. of course, he says now he realizes that there were a lot of sort of like white written black tropes in that of like you know black people being obsessed with white women. Yeah. Um, and and you know black on black violence in the sense that he's haunting this sort of like project in a predominantly black tower block in wherever it was in America. I forget. You know, and he said he, he didn't realise at the time because he was just so hungry for a big juicy part, which this yeah. was, that he was actually like perpetuating these sort of not so great stereotypes about you know scary black men. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 really interesting to see. And like Keith David, 
bless him, almost wells up about the fact that he makes it to the end of the thing. <laughs> He's like, we don't do that no. in a lot of films. You know, we don't get to get to the end. So, you know, go me. <laughs> um, I wonder what, um, sorry, I wonder what the new Candyman movie will be like then. Because I'm in two minds whether or not to watch it because I don't like how they seem to have changed it. Yeah, I was very interested in it until I saw the trailer. Exactly. And the trailer felt so generic horror movie yeah. to me yeah. that I've got to hope that they're holding something back from it. Yeah. That's going to weigh me when I watch it. I will absolutely watch it. Like, yeah. I mean, I've got all the time in the world. I'll watch anything right now. <laughs> I mean, it was the one film that after I watched it, I had to take the mirror down off my wall in my bedroom because it was opposite my bed. Yeah. And because I have blinds in my bedroom and the moon would come through so I could <laughs> see the reflection. And it was just too tempting to say his name five times. I mean, I'll barely say his name anywhere near a reflective surface just in case. And I know it's bullshit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I am not a superstitious person. Like, I'm not someone who, you know, knocks over a salt and has to throw it over one shoulder or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. I'll walk under a ladder. I don't give a shit. Well, I won't, but mostly because I don't want people to drop things on well, my head, well, not because yeah. I think it's going to be X amount of years bad luck. No, but I still won't say Candyman five times into a mirror because... Not that stupid. Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that the um, that the sequels to that had have actually have been because you know how I the mean, end of the I first wish, movie yeah, I wish is her. Was, yeah, I wish the sequel had been Helen. Yeah, me so too. I think that would have been a super. Because I forgot her that. name as well, but she's a phenomenal actress in that movie. I want and, to say that it's the sister of another actor. I think it is it. I want to say it's Madison something. Hold on, I'm going to... I See, now I feel like she's got a name that begins with a V and I want to say Virginia, but that doesn't seem... No, it is. We're both sort of right. It's Virginia Madison. There you go. <laughs> Put us together and what have you got? Yeah, she plays <laughs> Helen. Because <laughs> her yeah. brother is an actor and he's done a lot of Tarantino films. Ah. But Michael Madison. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah I thought she was wonder She was absolutely wonderful. And She's that so end sequence when she comes back with no hair and looks like a nightmare, oh. I was like, oh, my God. I was so ready for a sequel of that. And then yes. that's not what it was at yeah. all. Because she did the first season of TV show that I loved and was so sad and it was cancelled after season two. She's in the first season of The Witches of the East End. Oh. Um, and she played the nasty in that and she was superb. She really was good in it. Yeah. Uh, but that's just, that's just a fun TV series. It's like a more mature Charmed, basically. Oh, okay. I used to fucking love Charmed when I was younger. <laughs> I love Charmed, and I've watched the, the reboot, and I can't stand it. And I know that Rose McGowan and that have just got into a bit of a bit of a tizzy with one of the actresses that's in the new version. Oh, no. Because they've not watched it and they didn't see the point in it being made and they don't think it's probably anywhere near as good as what the original was. And somehow I've not paid attention to all of it, so maybe I've missed a, a giant leap of what the original star said. But the new star has come back and said that she's disappointed that these actresses aren't supporting actresses who are people of colour. And it's just turned into a, a bit of an argument. Although I think they've kind of settled. They're <laughs> just not talking. They never knew each other anyway. But the fan base is, you know, taking it further. Yeah. The flames have been stoked. Yeah, basically. But I've watched the new series and I'm sorry, I don't think it is as good. Well, I will be honest and say that I really liked Charmed 
up until uh, a point. I can't remember what point because it's been many moons since I watched it. And I don't know whether it was that the show changed or that I hit that age where I was like, it's mm. not cool to like things. Like I'm a grown up. <laughs> I, like, I like cool stuff now. Like, uh, it did um, get, Yeah, it did get to a point where it wasn't as good. I think when they kind of brought in another set of sisters and tried to do something, because you had... Kaylee Kuoko was her surname, I think. Oh, was she in it? I don't she think was, I even got that far. Yeah, she was in the last season, and it was a bit weak by then. And they did put a lot of emphasis on the Alyssa Milano Phoebe character rather than all of the sisters, and it just got yeah. a bit. Yeah, I know what you mean. It did get a little. I still watched it all. <laughs> it, it, even I was like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of only two things that I'll accept Julian McMahon in as well. Yeah, it's it's that and it's runaways that I can only accept him in those two things. I don't know why, but I just find him laughable in everything else. I've seen him. In. <laughs> like I'm, I'm currently I'm sorry, watching dude. him in FBI Most Wanted, which is quite a good <laughs> pop serial type thing. Yeah. But um, anyway, sorry, horror. Horror. <laughs> yes. Horror. Um, have you seen the film Devil? <laughs> no, I haven't. I want to go on a rant about the film Devil. Um, okay. Because it makes me cross, yet again, that it's such a a good premise, totally wasted. So Devil is a film from, like, I don't know, like four or five years ago or something. And it is directed by John Eric Dowdle, but I think it's got M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan, oh, God. Yeah, Shyamalan, yeah. I I feel really bad when I fuck up his name, because it feels like I'm doing that, like, white person joke of, like, oh, 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 his name's Shyamalan Ding Dong or something, (laughs) which I'm not. I just genuinely trip over it. I do Shyamalan. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's got his hand in it as well because that's how it was billed a lot as like, you know, oh, oh I'll watch yeah. this new I just Shyamalan film. It and he w- he wrote the story. Not okay. necessarily the screenplay, but he wrote the story. So the story itself, I think, is great for a horror film because it is essentially a bunch of people get stuck in a lift, supernatural shit starts happening. One of them's probably the devil. <laughs> <laughs> So automatically I was like, this is going to be claustrophobic. This is going to be tense. There's going to be no escape from this because they're in a teeny tiny fucking elevator. This is going to be great. I was well in, a thousand percent in. What happens in this film is about 30% of it is in the lift. The other sort of 70-ish percent is Chris Messina as a policeman trying to figure out who's killing the people in the lift because they're essentially watching people get off one by one in this lift in the security cam footage uh, so he's like running around the hotel or office or whatever i think it might be a hotel i can't even remember trying to find out like who are all of these people what's their connection why are they all getting how are they getting killed because nobody sees it when it happened blah, blah, blah. i don't care about any of that i was not after a cop drama <laughs> when i clicked on <laughs> devil murders in an elevator movie yeah. like i was so mad at this and it's like because it's such a good concept wasted like the idea imagine being trapped in a lift and then the lights go out and when they come back on somebody in there is dead now imagine being trapped in a lift is bad enough for me <laughs> like just any sense there and I'm, right? yeah but and and also you've got no idea which person it is or how they're doing the things that they're doing because they're all a bit spooky supernatural. Yeah. Could it even be one of the ones who already are maybe dead? What? Like <laughs> the like that whole idea yeah. is great, but it is so completely wasted. And as much as I think Christmasina is a fine actor and a very handsome man to look at, it just wasn't what I wanted at all from this film. 
Yeah. Like, what a total waste. Yeah. Especially, and then, like, sort of the reveal at the end is a bit, ugh, anyway. So it all, it all sort of petered out. But I felt like if it was a better film to begin with, I might have let that ending off a bit. Mm. Um, what was quite interesting about it, though, was that, you know, in um, Spider-Man Homecoming, there's a shocker, and then the vulture accidentally kills him, and then another guy becomes the shocker. Yeah. Both of those guys are in this lift. <laughs> two shockers in a lift it's the start of a spider-man joke but yeah it was i was so disappointed because i'm not the world's biggest fan of m night Shyamalan. to be honest i have i remember liking signs when i saw it in the cinema but then when i watched it a couple of years later at home i was like oh this movie's stupid (laughs) like and i remember being a bit creeped out by sixth sense but i knew exactly what was happening the entire time like there was no twist there for me it's very obvious um breakable but that's about i didn't like that either really and i haven't seen the is it like glass or split no i haven't i haven't watched that either yet yeah so yeah it wasn't like i don't know i just feel like it, they could have done so much more mm. with that premise and it would have been hella fucking nightmarish yeah. it's only 80 minutes long and i felt like i was watching it for three years i was like why aren't they all dead already God, so bad so i'm going to avoid watching that one as well this yeah is, i feel like i need good. to come up with some films that i can actually recommend to you this is good i like but, uh, hmm. i mean i watched uh I rewatched recently because I went to a I went to a drive-in to see it because because obviously of COVID and cinemas were shut down. So you know the outdoor pop-up cinemas that have been happening a lot. So yeah. our our local one did drive-ins, mm-hmm. and they had a proper screen and everything that had to warm up a bit and stuff. And they waited as long as they could before they switched it on. Otherwise, because it was towards the end of summer, so it, you'd have to wait a long time for it to be pitched to to see eventually they invested in led screens so that problem is solved (laughs) but (laughs) i went to go see the lost boys and i love the lost boys so much i saw that for the first time in august yeah what did you think of it so i thought it was brilliant but i do think it's a film that benefits from nostalgia glassy rose tinted glassy times yeah Um, because I feel like if I'd have seen this when I was younger, it would probably have been one of my favourite films. Yeah. Because it's it's like the fucking Goonies with vampires. Like it's yeah, it's, it's so eighties. Yeah, it's super eighties. It's got it's got some great actors in it. Kiefer Sutherland is like the coolest man in the world yeah. in this film. Yeah. And it's got a fucking badass soundtrack. Yes. And I was I was just so hyped. But I just thought if I'd have seen this when I was younger, I'd have been all over it like white on rice. <laughs> like Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's a I, shame that I didn't see it when I was younger because it's one of my mum's favourite movies. I don't know why she never showed it to me before. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it at an outdoor cinema a few years before. I think for one of my birthdays, I went with a couple of friends. And it was like the day before my birthday or something. So it was my birthday treat. And we saw it locally in out- outdoor pop-up cinema and one of them turned to me because they they like horror but they're not full-on enjoy gory horror mm-hmm. and they turned to me and said is that, is it very gory is there much of lot of bloodshed and you know, i hadn't watched it very recently at that point and i said you know what i don't think there is <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> there's some bits but i don't think it's that bad and of course i'd completely forgotten them like just biting into people's heads and <laughs> <laughs> when the Rug Brothers stake Alex Winter's vampire and things, yeah. but that's quite comical, like grossness. But yeah, yeah. you know, the biting into 
people's heads and blood spurting everywhere isn't quite as comical. It's actually quite vicious and you could almost say disturbing. It's, you know. um, it's one of those things where, for me, I think I've watched enough horror, both good and bad, with Rich now that I'm kind of desensitised to, like, blood. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm now more grossed out by things that I deem to be a bit too gross. So in The Lost Boys, the one thing that genuinely upset me was when the noodles turned to worms and the yeah. rice turns to maggots, because I was like, yeah, imagine eating that <laughs> accidentally. Oh. You know um, the first Babysitter movie on yeah. Netflix? So. I'm like, yeah, I've been desensitised to all that kind of stuff. There's only been two things I've watched in recent years that have made me heave a little bit. And one of them was in The Babysitter when she shoves that knife, that hunting knife, through the top of someone's head. Mm. And that kind of made me go, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, see, for me, it's anything within people's eyes. Mm. I I can't. There's um, like an, an old, old weird movie. I forgot what it's like, French or something. And there is a bit... It's black and white, uh, and the only time I've ever seen it was actually I, w- I went to see the Pixies perform in London. Of oh god, I, I was going to say a few years ago, but I'm sure it was like knocking on ten. Um, <laughs> what you know, <laughs> some number of years ago, and yeah. they were they were playing this like clips from this film on the big screen before they came on, and there was a bit where they just cut very quickly to somebody just running a razor blade through an eye and i have never felt more sick in my entire fucking life oh my god oh just like you only have to go near an eye in a movie with anything sharp and i'm looking away i'm like no i can't and that the the only time i've ever actually well i say full-on looked away i did sort of watch it but through like very much through my fingers Mm. uh was the uh the degloving in gerald's game Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Rich That's left the room. It. He felt Ooh. so sick. He was like, I can't even be near it. <laughs> that was pretty awful. I mean, super, that was a pretty superb <sighs> film, actually. But, yeah, that was pretty awful. Yeah. Do you know, because I, I watched that um, In Search of Darkness, it, it really proved to me there are some really big-named horror movies that I hadn't watched, and one of them was Friday the 13th. I'd seen oh, some of the sequels, but I'd never seen that I could remember the original. So I bought it, and... Um, I watched that a few months ago now, just after watching that documentary. And I thought, actually, it's very clever. It is quite spooky. This is what I love about jump scares, because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Oh, there it is. And I do do really enjoy that. And because, you know, you get that fright and then you laugh. And I think that's great. But I was just reading about, because I think the remake is on Netflix. And I was reading about it and looking at it. And I don't know if it is a remake or a reboot or if it is just another sequel, because it's just called Friday the 13th. And yet the killer is Jason. And that's not right, because in the first killer, the first film, the killer isn't Jason, it's his mum. Yeah. And I just, because I haven't watched it, I don't, I don't know what they've done. I don't know if they've done like a reboot. I'll have to read about uh, it. When was that? Like, uh, is that out yet? Or Yeah, it was 2009 they did it. Ah, oh, so I feel like I must have watched that then, because one of the things, because me and Rich are trying to watch like scary movies all throughout October, yeah. we we d- we tended to like gravitate towards franchises that had a lot of mm. entries, so that we didn't have to think too hard about what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I must have I must have seen it, but I do not remember it. <laughs> um, let me have a let me have a quick look on my old my little old letterbox and see if I had any thoughts on it. I watched Halloween, not Halloween, I watched Friday the 13th, I think it was part 10, because it was, you know, part X or whatever. Mm. And I feel like that was the one when Jason went to space. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what that one was. Right. 
and there was a death scene in it that I remember. I still vividly remember it. That's how kind of horrific it was. Uh-huh. Because he grabs this girl, and there's this sort of um, sink full of um, liquid nitrogen. Yeah. And he grabs her from behind the head, and he smacks her in uh, in the face, and then he dumps her, um, like sinks her head into this liquid nitrogen. So she's proper still alive when he's done that. Yeah. And then you sort of see her face freeze in liquid nitrogen, and then he brings her back up again, and then he smashes her face down onto the hard surface next to the sink. <laughs> and it's still kind of like, blah, 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 to yeah. me. And it's one of those things that that just, yeah, that one, that one stayed with me, that one did. Yeah. So Friday the 13th from 2009, I have seen it, and I gave it two and a half stars, but I don't remember it at all. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't write a review for it on Letterboxd, which usually means I've got nothing to say about it because it neither pissed me off nor impressed me. Yeah. Um, I vaguely recollect that it had uh, the bird who plays Caitlin in The Flash. She's in it. Danielle Panabaker. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that is all I remember about it. Um, it's like I remember watching Freddy versus Jason and Destiny's Child. Um, Kelly Rowland, I think, is oh, the one. God. in it because she was trying to do the whole acting thing. That is a bad movie. Yeah, it's terrible. And I was actually pleased when her character got killed. I was pretty much pleased when everybody died and that movie ended. Because mm. uh, uh, there are terrible films in all franchises, right? Yeah. Mm. So for me in Halloween, it's Halloween 3, basically because it's, it's, it's meant to be an anthology, so it's not, for me, really part of Halloween because it hasn't got Michael Myers in it. So yeah. I just kind of ignore that. The one that I really didn't like in Halloween was Halloween Resurrection because you had Halloween H2O, which was 20 years on. And in that film, you had the return of Jamie Lee Curtis, and it was very Dawson's Creek because you had Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett, I think, was in it. And I think Kevin Williams wrote the script for it, who wrote things like Dawson's Creek and Scream. Right. And so Michael comes back to this private school that Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode, is the headmistress of, you know, and she still has terrible nightmares and stuff all about Halloween from 78. And to be completely spoilerific about it, by the end of the film, she's been in a bit of a, a car thing accident with Michael in, in the back of the va- this coroner's van. And he gets himself trapped sort of between a car and a fallen tree. Yeah. And she, she has an axe and she cuts off his head. And right. you think, perfect. That is a brilliant way to end a franchise. Yes, I like it. Our, our, you know, our original final girl, Scream Queen, does him in. Superb. End. No, because they bring out Halloween Resurrection and the way they write that one off is that Michael, right, right, we think he's been knocked unconscious. He actually gets up and he crushes the larynx of a ambulance uh, person and swaps clothes with them so that actually the person that Laurie killed wasn't Michael. It was this ambulance technician guy. And she ends up in a mental institute and Michael kills her in the first five minutes. And right then I'm out of the film really wow but i continue watching because what they decided to do with this film because at the time things like the real world or like big brother type reality tv shows were really popular so they decided let's do a reality tv show style thing where we put a bunch of young adults into the myers house 
you know, where the original killing that Michael Myers did took place. Oh, no. And get them to stay there for a night. And they set up all these little shit things to spook the people out. But, of course, you know what's going to happen. Michael's going to be at his own house and he's going to kill the fuck out of these people. It was so, so bad. Well, as you were saying it, I thought, again, this feels like a franchise that me and Rich watched together. Now, according to my letterbox, I either haven't seen it or I just... uh, hated it so much i didn't bother reviewing it mm-hmm. uh richie's review was one and a half stars uh and his review says i was kind of enjoying this in a disposable shit kind of way but then oh, yeah. buster rhymes through a flying kick at michael and i wished i was dead then <laughs> 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 that killed the franchise until 2018 when they rebooted it that and was they... pretty good to be fair i enjoyed it now i mean i went to see see it in the cinema that's how excited i was for it and the whole premise of it because they were they were dumping off everything from 1978 up until what they were just released on 2018 and in doing so they cut away all of the stuff about laurie and michael being brother and sister which john carpenter and deborah hill never really liked that much but it happened so they had to deal with it yeah i quite liked that link but actually getting rid of it was such a brilliant thing because michael is scarier that you don't know why he does the killings that he does. Yeah. That's so much scarier, really. He's just evil, basically. And I went to see it in a cinema, and Jamie Lee Curtis, who doesn't like horror films herself, even though she is (laughs) the final girl, um, was saying how much scary it was, and it's you know on par of being scary with the original. So I I went in a bit hyped, thinking I was going to be really freaked out, and I kind of wasn't. Yeah. But I still really enjoyed it i really enjoy the dynamics of the characters of the three women so is it judy green or greer Greer? i think (laughs) yeah judy greer playing jamie lee curtis's daughter Mm -hmm. and the young actress who played judy greer's daughter so jamie lee curtis's granddaughter those three and their chemistry i loved yeah and then when i was doing my essay where i for my module I was comparing Halloween 78 to 2018 and how the how the film franchise has either grown or stayed the same or whatnot. But after I'd done that and sent it in, the Blumhouse who put the film out and the different stars, including Jamie Lee Curtis, they all did a massive, let's watch the film together and we'll tweet along and everyone can join in. And I did that for the night and it was so much fun because they would talk about all the stuff they got up to doing the scenes and things like a moment mm. where Jamie Lee Curtis's character drives up in a truck and stuff. And she said, Jamie Lee Curtis, like, I did that too fast. And um, the stunts coordinator guy came up and had a word with me afterwards about it. <laughs> health and safety. But I love those films and I'm sad that the next one isn't coming out this year, but because of our current pandemic situation, I get it. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing it hopefully next year. And then the following one, because I think it's Halloween Kills is next, and then Halloween Ends. Now, I thought they were filming those two films back to back or at the same time, but I'm not so sure anymore. Mm. Um, I know they finished Halloween Kills. And although they were sad that they're not releasing it this year, the the guys that wrote and directed it said actually it's kind of done them a favour because now they can really do all of the editing and all of the scoring and all of those bits that they feel like they have to rush to get out on their release date they can now take more time over and hopefully make it a much stronger and better experience for everyone when they go to eventually see it yeah Um, i hope so because i do i do really like the halloween movies too 
Yeah. I mean, I do think, and I was talking to Rich about this the other day, as I was saying, I do sort of miss the sort of, like, big horror franchises, because as much as I do love Halloween, I would love to see, like, another sort of franchise take off. But a lot of the more recent horrors that I've enjoyed have been standalone. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't tend to get, like, a Hellraiser's, you know, 1 to fucking 13 or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, anymore which is a bit of a shame because you know i mean that well i mean it's not a shame in terms of hellraiser because the majority of those movies were trash um (laughs) (laughs) the um the one thing i I have found though and and it's particularly like prevalent in the earlier sort of like 70s kind of horror ones Mm. is um god there's boobs everywhere oh yeah oh there's so many boobies just put them away or get a dick out make it even (laughs) 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 or at least a book Come on, give me yeah. a book. Give me a man's book. Like, come on, there. Boobies. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does tickle me how. Um... Yeah, the boobs are fine, but arse or dick, no. <laughs> and it's not. And it's ridiculous because in America, the majority of those films would already be R-rated. I suppose I don't want to push it to X. Well, but... I mean, this is the thing that always tickled me though is the idea that it's like I don't know. You can show a, a topless woman on the beach getting like chowed down on by a fucking giant piranha or whatever. Yeah. But we can't show a willy. No, <laughs> put it away. <laughs> Took it in. <laughs> I don't know whether that's just my asexuality showing or, or what, but I do. I like a lot of films. I'm like, oh, the boobs again. Just put them away. We don't need them. <laughs> I guess it's changed slightly now over the years. It's not. I mean, they're still showing some women, if not all, but some women as sexual objects and stuff. Because I think that always will happen. Yeah. Well, um, I think in, and in some sort of, um, you know, in some films, it makes total sense. Like, yeah. you can't watch a film like Hellraiser and the following Hellraiser movies and not expect sexy stuff because it is purely about, like, scary, sexy horror. Like, it's about yeah uh, bondage and pain and like it's, it's all about pain isn't it like so yeah. fully expecting it in those movies i think it's just like when it's things like i don't know like i say like piranha yeah and it's like oh oh skinny dipping are we so we can watch some piranhas eat some boobs cool yeah. cool 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 <laughs> i don't think there was as much sexy times in the 2018 halloween as there was in the 78 one mm. i mean the whole thing because I love the Scream franchise as well. Although Scream 3 oh, is pretty yeah. weak, I love the Scream. Th- and I love, I know what you did last summer. They were fun. But, um, so I'm looking forward to Scream 5, but also kind of, hmm, but looking forward to it. <laughs> but it's like the whole, because you know in Scream, which was brilliant because it relaunched horror and slashes because they actually, slashes killed themselves, ironically, by oversaturating what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then Scream relaunched it in the 90s. But, um, like they talk about the rules of horror, you know, you know, don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't do this. You know. And the funny thing is the whole don't have sex thing, which is believed to have originated from Halloween. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, they've both said in interviews, they never meant that to be a thing. <laughs> that's they've both said that's something that others have put onto it because they were just writing about teenagers, you know, high school kids. And that's basically the sort of stuff that they would get up to when the parents weren't at home, you know. Mm-hmm making out or probably you know having sex if they were that way inclined whereas laurie strode was always the more repressed and virginal never did that but the whole thing about if you have sex you must die <laughs> they were like that was never our intention <laughs> that's just happenstance whoops <laughs> what have we started <laughs> i know and then it just became a whole thing from there on through all of the slasher films to which scream then brilliantly 
made fun of because Scream, as we as we know, we've kind of said it's that's the sort of film that knows exactly what it is. Yeah. And has great fun with it. Oh, I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy in horror movies is when they try to um, throw like a really cool death in there. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it can just end up being really funny or it can just be like the coolest thing. And I will never forget the first time I saw Rose McGowan getting trapped in the cat flap. Yes. Uh, yes. Like, I screamed when I, I was like, what? They can't do that. <laughs> Like, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I was Um, always surprised at the garage door, and this is going to sound awful, but I'm always surprised that that thing didn't break and it held her weight as it lifted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense, but who None cares? It who cares? It was great. Yeah, one of my one of my favourite deaths. If we're uh, if we're gonna do if we're gonna pick a like favourite death in a horror film, one of That's my favourites is in the first sleepaway camp. I think mm. it's the first one. There is a bit where a, where the killer just just throws a beehive into a toilet cubicle, and the person gets stung to death. But it's hilarious because like they have to like poke the beehive in through the window from outside. So it's like all this build up of someone awkwardly trying to shove an entire beehive through a tiny fucking window on a pole and then just like jiggling it around till all these bees come out, sting this guy to death. I was crying. I was like, yes, perfect. Best thing I've ever seen in my life. I could be boring and point out one of the ones from Halloween, but actually the one of the death scenes that stick to me is like, did you watch the Final Destination movies? Because yes. I quite enjoyed those when they came out. That was gymnast. There was well, no, there was. I think it might have been in the second one, hmm. but there was a pane of glass that fell and basically flattened a kiss. Yes. Yeah. There was that. I thought that was an amazing death scene. And then the barbed wire that went came off a fence and went flying off and just cut through this bloke and yeah. the sections of his body just split away from each other. Yeah. Thirteen Ghosts actually had a good death scene. <laughs> there was like a glass sliding door shut while some this poor bloke was stood like in its way, and the front section of his body, like the front half of his body, just slid down Ugh. after it had shut. It was really gross. The the gymnast one in Final Destination Five absolutely killed me because it, it's it's the build up with that one because it's similar to in the first movie they have uh, you know the teacher and there's like everything in her kitchen is going awry all at once and she doesn't yeah. notice and you're thinking which one of these things is going to kill her well it's yeah. a, it's a similar thing in in Final Destination Five with this gymnast because it's like oh there's a wonky bar oh there's a screw coming loose oh there's a nail on the balance beam oh there's some I don't know like chalk dust in the air and you're thinking what's gonna happen and then she just flies off the off the bars and just smashes into the ground and falls into a heap that i don't think a human body can even get into and <laughs> we were watching this it was like we were hung over on a sunday morning and none of us had ever seen it before and we were like, <laughs> like what, what on earth have i seen <laughs> phenomenal I feel like I stopped watching Final Destinations maybe after the second one because oh, okay. they, they killed off one of my favourite characters and once she was dead, I was like, nah, I'm out. Well, the, the thing about Five that's really good, and I am just going to spoil it for you now if you don't mind. That's okay. Okay. The thing about Five that is great is that it actually cycles back round so you find out that like at the end of that film, the people are getting on the plane from the first movie. Oh. And so you actually find out that that wasn't Death's first, like palaver and that there's somebody who gets on that plane who is the reason that that plane goes down so that bastard started it all yeah 
it's what good. I wasn't anticipating it at all. Oh. And I was just like, because me and Rich kept saying, like, I don't understand why they don't seem to have, like, iPhones and stuff in this movie. Because we were assuming it was set, like, yeah. basically now. But no, it's it's just before the first one. It's phenomenal. That's clever. It's, that uh, it's such a good, I would highly recommend it. I think somebody gets killed buy like a nail gun or something in a hardware right. store it's nonsense i love it <laughs> I'll, I'll always remember the death of the sunbed because that was horrific but also oh, that one really stressed me out because i've got a fear of like just random accidents and things like i shouldn't really watch final what, <laughs> what am i even doing with my life but like the thing is the chances of like a pane of glass just coming and flattening you is just like so astronomically small but like and I, like I would never get trapped in a sunbed because I don't use sunbeds. You've seen me. I'm like yeah. a milk bottle. <laughs> I'm so, I'm the whitest white that ever whited. Um, but like yeah, the idea of that because it just it gets into your head, doesn't it? This idea of like yeah. what if something totally normal suddenly became terrifying. <laughs> I just I remember they came out and I think I was in college at the time they came out and it would cause great debate in my class and we would talk about does death really have a plan? And there were those of us. I was one of them that thought yes, death does has a plan and you're basically screwed either way and there were those like no it doesn't it's not a thing it's like <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a physical thing being that's chasing you around it's 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 just inevitable ah yeah. um <laughs> the, the uh last thing i want to talk about because i do need to go in a minute is um our spooky music songs i didn't necessarily say it had to be spooky but i feel like hopefully we've yeah. both picked somewhat spooky music so this is the still as yet unnamed segment in which we talk about a song that we've been enjoying so jenny what song would you like to recommend to the lovely listeners i am gonna recommend from the lost boys cry little sister which is by gerard mcmahon it's on it's on the soundtrack um but i think it's a brilliant song it's got a really eerie spooky set up and start to it and you've got children singing in the background which in itself is freaky yeah (laughs) but but to be honest the lost boys soundtrack is just superb it is it really is i want to say it's echo and the bunnymen that sing people are strange because i know the doors did it but i think it's echo and the bunnymen on the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and that's also a great song but cry little sister i love that song um and then i found out because i was going through a lost boys kick small tangent but same thing um (laughs) the guy that wrote that song they've actually made a musical which is a prequel to the lost boys oh and it's all about david who was Kiefer sutherland's character oh okay i might have got a little bit lost because it was a lot a few months ago that i read this but i've got a feeling it's about how he becomes a vampire and stuff and that song does feature i believe in the musical you can find the soundtrack to it. i'll have to send you a link so you can have a listen but the soundtrack itself to the musical because it's sort of off off broadway i think um is on spotify nice. has, that is on there and i haven't listened to it completely i don't think if i have i can't remember it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't bode well but um yeah they, they made a, a prequel to it which is interesting but i just think the entire lost boys soundtrack is amazing but i just love cry little sister um, I was way more familiar with the soundtrack to that film than I like <laughs> than I care to admit, uh, because my mum used to always play it when she was doing housework on a Sunday. Yeah, it was like that, and the soundtrack to The Crow. <laughs> yes, The Crow has got a good soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, The Crow is a good, good film, really good film. But I think the soundtrack to Lost Boys did 
really well anyway it's quite a popular soundtrack to be out at the time because a few like a few friends i know that also really love the film also really love the soundtrack yeah it's like one of the soundtracks to have in your collection my friend who i went with to the drive-in we went in separate cars because covid um <laughs> and we parked next to each other which was fun but i did get it was like doing that light shimmery rain and i eventually kind of got a bit soaked because <laughs> i had my window open um but even he was saying that he remembers the soundtrack and he's pretty sure he had it either on tape or vinyl mm. and i kind of now do want to get it on vinyl i've got it on cd but i kind of mm. want to get it on vinyl now yeah that would be good he's yeah. a very good soundtrack yeah i i have <laughs> i've cheated slightly so the <laughs> point of this segment was originally going to be to recommend songs that maybe people don't know but i decided to use this as an opportunity just to talk about one of my favorite songs ever because it was in a halloween movie awesome. uh, <laughs> and it's don't fear the reaper by blue oyster cult okay i don't know that i know it oh my god i, I mean think i do if i hear it but i don't Jennifer Tallulah Newman. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I still don't remember anyone's middle name and always go with Tallulah because I mean, it's, it's a good name. Literally, my initials spell my name, but never mind. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it's legit one of my favourite songs like ever, uh, which is weird because I don't think I could even name you another Blue Oyster Cult song. Yeah. Oh, except that one that was in Guitar Hero, and I want to say it's called Godzilla, but that might not even be them. Anyway, it is a, a sort of rock track about. Oh no, I do know. Don't it did say Don't Fear the Reaper, didn't you? Yes. Yes, yeah. I do know that song. Oh, I'm oh such good. An idiot. Good, good. It's like one of the best songs in the world to feature a cowbell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> quite prominently. Uh, that's SNL skit. Also amazing. Yeah, like everything about this song has always appealed to me. And I think when I was younger, I was a bit naive about what it was about. But it's very clearly about like the inevitability of death. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit grim. Maybe. <laughs> it's a little bit grim. Um, yeah. But it features in, I want to say, the first Halloween movie when Laurie's in a car doing some stuff. Now, I, I can't remember if it's the first as in the first first or the reboot first because I'm an idiot. I'm going to say um, it might be the reboot because it's not in the original Mm-hmm. but it was tangentially related to a horror film so i was like that's it i'm having it because i do genuinely love this song yeah it's phenomenal I everyone would have heard it but <laughs> i say it's not in halloween the original because i don't remember it that i might be wrong let me look up for you i'm googling now <laughs> look it up jenny i've been googling the song and the song says it was out in 76 well halloween was out in 78 so it could have been oh it could have been then but according to this it was in Halloween 2007 so that's that's oh, hold on and that's not even the reboot is it oh I don't know look it's in a Halloween it movie so I'm having it <laughs> actually no it does say it's heard in the 78 yay <laughs> that's interesting I'm sorry I'm looking at IMDB connections and it says followed by Halloween um it's in Halloween 2007 which are the Rob, Zom- Rob Zombie ones which I hate they're awful mm. <laughs> uh, purely because and carpenter feels the same but purely because they try to give michael myers a background story Do and a know, reason why he's a killer they absolutely need to stop doing this me and rich watched hannibal rising and i wished i hadn't got eyeballs like it's and all, all sorts of other fucking backstory for evil people movies we don't need them 
yeah. I do not need to know why Hannibal eats people. <laughs> I <Yeah>. don't care. <laughs> no, you are sorry. I must apologise. I don't remember it in the '78 film, but it is in the '78 film. Get me. It's uh, <laughs> heard on the radio twice. It says right before Judith Myers and Linda are killed. And the theme song is heard in the original Halloween in the scene where Laurie and Annie are in the car. I'm going to listen out for that when I next watch it, which will be in a few days' time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm undoubtedly going to watch it as well. God, I feel like shit now. I should have known that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd that like, wasn't no. my intention. Like, no, it's not in the 78 version, Stacey. What are you talking about? No. Stace, what, what do you know about what films? No, Halloween. No. I'm the queen of Halloween. No. <laughs> <laughs> You've already admitted you know nothing about films. <laughs> to be fair it's very rare i'll get things right so that's why i almost immediately second guessed myself and went oh god is it <laughs> i'm thinking to myself i can believe it's in the rob zombie version but is it in the original version hold on it says 76 oh christ it actually yeah it was okay <laughs> yeah it's, but anyway it's, it's a phenomenal song it is a phenomenal song and if you want to have a listen to uh these these two songs or any of the other songs that have been recommended there is now a spotify playlist Woo-hoo. of the parlor recommendations which i will put in the show notes awesome i'm so listening to that yay there's not much on it yet because i only recently started this segment (laughs) (laughs) but but eventually there'll be oh cool there'll be so much music the uh the fun thing about it is it's such a weirdly eclectic playlist (laughs) (laughs) and it's only gonna get weirder i think (laughs) do you think it eventually includes score music as well or do you think that's inevitable uh, I think I think it, but it it probably will happen. But I am usually more inclined to pick scores when I do Stace and Barry, yeah. uh, which also has its own Spotify playlist. Oh. Um, that one is quite interesting because there is the occasional not score song and it sticks out like a reet saw thumb. But <laughs> I'm gonna have to look up that one too now, aren't I? Oh, good stuff. I'll send you the links, me baby. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. Anywho, I've got to go because I've been needing away for like a good half hour. Oh, yeah, I got uh, up in the same. <laughs> Jenny, it's been an absolute delight chatting oh, with you. Well, thank you for having me again. I always love coming on and spending time with you. Oh, and chatting lovely. with this stuff. You're so delightful. Do you want to pimp yourself on the internet or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can find me on Twitter if you want to at AngelJ5. I sometimes bleat on about some pop culture stuff. Sometimes it's just a brain dump. Other times, who knows? And I'm on Instagram, I think, at the same handle. So I'm pretty sure it is the same handle, actually. I'm pretty sure it is, too. It's not always very interesting stuff. It's dog pictures. If you like that, you're all right. Often it's dog pictures. Yeah. 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 It's a very cute dog. That's that's where you can find me if if you so wish. Yes. Excellent. Well, listeners, have a spooky rest of October, depending on whenever this episode comes out, because I can't be bothered to edit. Hey, have a <laughs> have a lovely October. Stay safe for Halloween. And all I'm going to say is, if you want to dress up on Halloween, even if you just sit in your own house watching spooky movies, do it. Whatever makes you happy this year, do it all the fucking time. I love you and I'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. 
If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah! <laughs>